Hello and welcome to the Gospel Rescue Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Mortensen. And I'm Brian Boteller, the Interim Executive Director of the Mission. So, Eric, what's today's episode all about? I am glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) So today's story is all about Aaron 2.0. Aaron 2.0? Yeah, that's what I decided to call it. Ah, Okay. All right. Well, okay. So, work. so it's kind of a take on different like software versions. So you start with version one. The software changes, bugs are fixed, features are added, and you eventually get version two point oh. Ah, gotcha. Aaron two point oh. Aaron two point oh 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 oh. So more specifically, today's podcast is about the change and transformation. Uh, current resident Aaron Powell has gone through since stepping foot inside the mission. So are you familiar with Aaron? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know Aaron. He's one of our resident assistants yes. at the men's house. Um, he's been he's been here for quite some time. He's great. He answers the phones. He works with the guys. Um, really just an all-around great guy. I found him to be uh, a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, and my time working here, I've, I've been able to just kind of interact with him a few times. Uh, mostly, I was training the RAs on some computer stuff. This podcast is going to be more like a audio documentary. Podcast, take three. Action. Oh. So you're going to hear from me. You're going to hear from you. You'll hear from John. You'll hear from Aaron himself. He's going to read some stuff from his testimony, which will be part of this. And John's actually going to read some stuff from his testimony, too. Awesome. Well, so where do we begin? Where do we begin, you ask? Well, naturally, we start with Aaron version 1.0. Makes sense. So he was born in Coos Bay. Well, I was born over in Coos Bay. My mom, you know, rocky relationship, not a great family life. Okay. But uh, I was my dad's second family. So So Aaron's family moved around a bit when he was a kid. But uh, we moved to Bandon when I was three, maybe? Dad got off Wild Burr and we moved to Hawaii. Some good memories there, but fragmentary, you know, Mm -hmm. early life. For some reason, moved to Yuma, Arizona. And eventually, he wound up in Southern Oregon. Moved back up to Medford, then uh, when I was five, my dad left our family. And my mother was pregnant with my sister at the time. And so, you know, single mom. So was it it hard? (sighs) I didn't know any different. And he died when I was in high school. This is Aaron reading from his testimony about his experiences with church growing up. Growing up and for most of my adult life, I was a person that thought about God but never asked or thought I needed him in my life. I did go to Sunday school when I was younger, but lost interest when I lost my first pastor. Being a child of the 1980s, I just got soured by so-called Christians being hypocrites and crooked TV evangelists, getting caught doing very unchristian-like things. I knew in my heart that I was a good person and occasionally did bad things, but I knew I was better than those people. So after high school, he ended up becoming a third grade teacher's assistant at an elementary school until he got laid off due to budget cuts. So he did a stint at Abby's Pizza, but then spent most of his career as a custodian for the Central Point School District. So he initially wasn't too thrilled with that job title. Like I was the captain of our school's brain ball team. Mm-hmm. So I always think, you know, like, don't, 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 don't janitor, really, basically. But, hey, it was like 
at the time it was like seven something an hour and minimum wage was 475 so i'm like hey, hey yeah. i guess i'm gonna be scrubbing toilets and it's not a bad job at all it's not demeaning i mean it's a, it was a great paying job it was my career for basically 17 years yeah that's funny because that's a very 80s thing to think about the janitor do you remember uh, the the movie The Breakfast Club, yeah. where they they kind of ridicule the janitor until they realize that the janitor's like like knows all the secrets of the school <laughs> and everything, yeah. and they realize he's kind of cool. Yeah. So basically, he accidentally found a job he really loved, and so the thing about Aaron that I kind of identified within a few minutes of meeting him, he has a passion for helping people. He kind of joked about being the lowly janitor, but that job actually led him to being very involved in standing up for his fellow employees as a pretty high-ranking union rep. So he was actually the OSEA Zone 5 director representing classified employees, which is a pretty big role. It opened up some unique opportunities to travel and rub shoulders with a lot of people in government. I've been in meetings with Governor Brown and Senator uh, Berkeley. I've had meetings with Biden. So Aaron 1.0 is actually looking pretty good. Yeah, great job. Like making trips to lobby Congress, looking pretty good. But if we're going to use the software analogy with, you know, Aaron 1.0, Aaron 1.0 looked great. Awesome user interface. But underneath the hood, He had some coding issues. Coding issues? Okay, bad analogy. I would say his life looked great, but spiritually he was empty. So this is him talking about not heeding wake-up calls from the Lord. I've had friends or acquaintances try to tell me about the Lord and get me to go to church, but I just didn't think I needed Jesus in my life. I've ignored the blessings in my life. I've walked away from car wrecks that should have killed me without a scratch. He was also in an earthquake? I believe it was the Imperial Valley earthquake in the late other 79 or 80. I can't remember which. Yeah, and of course, I'm like a little kid. Yeah. And and we're in the second story, like, Adobe apartment. And uh, I thought it was fun. I was yeah. jumping up and down. I thought, wow, this is the funnest thing. And my, meanwhile, my mother's on the couch just tripping. He also accidentally ended up in Seattle during the 99 WTO protests. The night before, we had dinner at the Space Needle. And uh, everything looked beautiful, nice, and sunset. By the time we got around back down to downtown, there's dumpster fires, lights, sirens. What happened? <laughs> well, I should have figured out when the McDonald's across the street from the Space Needle was pretty much boarded up. I've never been under martial law before. So, yeah, that was interesting. And then there was also this. On one warm day in September, Washington, D.C., 2001, I had just left the Pentagon 15 minutes before a passenger jet crashed into it killing almost 300 people. Most adults don't need to be reminded what else happened on the rest of that horrible day in September 2001. Yet, did I feel blessed or listen to what God was trying to tell me? No. The place in my life where I should have filled with the love of Christ, I filled with vices and self-pity for a better part of the last 20 years. Well, what finally landed him in the mission? So in 2017? In 2017, my health became so bad, I was forced to quit my job that I've had for the previous 17 years. By the end of 2021, I had lost my apartment, 
possessions, my best friend, and my mother. To top that, I spent the month of December in the hospital. Then my good friend Juana gave me a crucifix and a brand new Bible while I was in the hospital. She told me how reading God's Word gave her comfort and she wanted me to know the love of Christ. Well, I was in the hospital and I had the time on my hands so I read. I kept reading and all of a sudden I would read something that applied to my life and I kept reading. Was this the Lord finally getting through my stubbornness? In hindsight, 100% yes, it was. Juana was a colleague from one of the schools he worked at, and she just turned into a great friend for him. Talk about planting seeds of the gospel. Man, that is the great thing that you you just never know. You're talking to somebody, they've told you that they're close to it, but you just keep loving on them and sharing them, you know, sharing good things with them. And over time, um, it's amazing how the gospel just... It, it corresponds so well with reality in in our lives, and eventually, um, that's part of what makes it, you know, all of life just this great seedbed for the gospel to really pop up and and sprout up in our lives and take root and bear fruit over time. Uh, certainly, we're seeing that it looks like uh, in Aaron's life, in you know, in our time watching him and growing with him here. He's in the hospital, uncertain future. Like, where's he gonna go after this? I asked the Lord if he had a plan for me. Now was the time to show me because I knew I wouldn't survive long being out on the streets. One morning, my nurse came into my room and told me, we're packing your stuff and sending you to the gospel rescue mission in Grants Pass. This came out of the blue with no warning and I'm terrified at this point. I didn't want to go to Grants Pass. Most of my friends are in Medford area. So I get dropped off the sidewalk by the mission. I'm scared and kind of freaking out at this point. I thought, had my life come to this, I'm better than this, aren't I? No, I'm not. This was the start of God's plan for me, but I didn't realize it at the moment. So he arrived here just out of the hospital. He could barely walk, used a walker. This is about the time you met him for the first time. So what were your like, first impressions? Well, my first impressions of him, to be honest, uh, I was asking the same questions of him. Uh, not so much had your life come to this, but really were we the appropriate place for you? We get, we get people dropped off from um, the hospital often that what they really need is some kind of an assisted living facility. And, and I, I really didn't know Aaron at all. So I couldn't tell, you know, but the fact that he was in a walker didn't really bode well. What's the reason that the, a walker would be bad for someone coming into the mission? Well, I mean, so so we're a, th- a three-story facility um, that, that, you know, we're really, we don't have any like on-staff nursing or, or any of that kind of stuff. So the questions that they automatically raise when I see somebody in a walker is, well, can you shower? Um, yourself, can you get you can you get yourself clothed and uh, you know and you know uh, dressed and uh, maybe can you get to the uh, top a top bunk in a in a bunk bed 
potentially. Um, I mean, certainly we, we can often make accommodations to get to a bottom bunk, but sometimes we can't. And, and so you just never know, you know, what kind of care does this person need? A walker doesn't kill the deal uh, or any more than a wheelchair or anything like that, but it, it certainly raises our concerns at that moment, you know, of, of uh, the propriety of them being here. Um, you know, you don't want somebody to slip and fall in the shower and they can't get up. And, and then you're, you want, you don't want to have other homeless guys being the ones that are caring for them, you know, oh, here, let me help you up here. Let me help you get dried off and dressed and, and all the other things. And, and, um, so it's, uh, it's definitely a challenge when we see somebody in that condition coming in and it doesn't mean that they don't need help. The question is just, are we the right place? Is, are we the, are we the right place or does he need some kind of aftercare, you know, to where he can be a little more independent? Um, but over time, Aaron very quickly actually, uh, kind of gained my respect and, and helped me. I mean, he convinced me that he was probably a guy more capable than the walker really showed. Um, maybe maybe he needed one for a moment, but uh, it was clear that he didn't he didn't intend on letting it remain that way. Way to get ahead of the story, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll okay, get to that. Okay. okay. So, really, the decision on whether someone can stay here or not comes to the coordinator. A day after he checks in, he meets with uh, men's coordinator, John Davis, and does his intake interview. Uh, when I first met him, I wasn't real sure about him because uh, he had just come in from the hospital. He was using a walker. He looked real uh, rough around the edges. Um, after being here for two weeks, I asked him if he could file some things for me which turned into cleaning out the entire file room and getting the whole file room completely organized, which turned into uh, me making him a resident assistant. John must have saw something in me at the time that I couldn't. Looking back at my old intake photos, I was a wreck. I'm grateful for his grace and guidance in showing me what a real Christian is. It's still week one of Aaron's experience here at the mission. Um, and it's his first Sunday. The first Sunday rolls around. Part of the mission uh, requirements is that each resident needs to attend a church service of their choosing once a week. Correct. So what that means is we, we require them to attend a local Christian church. Um, uh, they can pick which local Christian church, um, but the the whole idea there is that we're trying to get them to uh, connect with the Christian community, develop a hopefully develop a circle of friends within that Christian community that will uh, evolve into genuine relationship over time. Um, because in the end, our, our thought is is that if you leave here with the same friends that you came with, uh, chances are that you will find your way back here very quickly. Um, whereas if we can get them to uh, connect with a church group, uh, a group of friends that are not all struggling with addiction recovery necessarily or, um, you know, just their failings in life, but are doing 
life for the most part fairly healthy and uh, and engaging you know just in relationship uh, so many uh, so many people that come to us don't have any relationships at all you know that are that are good or healthy and so it's just a great place to d- begin that and develop that and hopefully that lasts in some ways um, long after they leave here and and, uh, and you know as they develop that circle of friends so Aaron is then presented with this hey where are you going to church you know right and he's got this walker <laughs> he can't just walk down to River Valley. Right, he's got to get is, a ride somewhere. For those who are not familiar with Grants Pass, you know that's probably four or five blocks away from here, city blocks, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, it's a long walk, you know. So a guy in a walker is not just going to scoot down there. So let's listen to what happened, and here's here's where Aaron 2.0 begins to emerge. The first weekend I was in Grants Pass, I asked one of my fellow residents if I could get a ride to the church. It's the first church service I had actually gone to in over 20 years, and it was at Pursuit Church. I was blown away by how welcoming everyone was to me, including Pastor Rex. And that was the day I gave my life to the Lord. So now at this point in the story, Aaron is starting to work on his relationship with Jesus, but he also starts to work on his physical health uh, with a little help uh, from men's coordinator, John Davis. The first thing was I wanted to get him to where he could walk on his own without the help of a walker. Um, So I had him uh, exercising more, which wasn't much, just walking down the hall without a walker or a cane, Um, having it available if he needed it, but... And then it turned into he's he doesn't need a cane or a walker or anything at all. Aaron worked as an RA, and his passion for helping people really shines through. This is John speaking again. He's been helping me a lot with the elderly in the mission, um, getting them appointments with DHS and uh, aging adults and people with disabilities. And he's gotten um, three men into assisted living since he's been here. The irony of that is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and then on top of all of that, just the, the fact that, you know, I've been kind of monitoring what he's been doing in those regards. And he's genuinely, he's got, he's, he's taken advantage of his time that he has, um, to be patient. That's a job that requires a lot of patience and, and kind of long-suffering in the process. Um, and Aaron has really just displayed all of that in that process uh, very well and very successfully for some of our residents. Yeah. That's been exciting. So he's actually been assigned work search now, and he's been looking for an opportunity in the social services area. And today he's doing awesome. Aaron, Aaron 2.0? 2.0? Yes, absolutely. He's... Uh, he is a completely different person than he was when he first came in here. I just love him to death. He's a great guy. One more part about his uh, transformation. So seven months after coming to the mission, Aaron actually was baptized at the Pursuit Church. That was pretty awesome. He uh, asked me to read his testimony, um, which was amazing. And so I actually was able to find a recording of the baptism with John reading Aaron's testimony. And I think that I'll just play it to kind of finish up his story. 
I'm looking forward to it. Becoming a Christian doesn't happen overnight, but I have felt the Holy Spirit move through me when I help people. John gave me an extra assignment to help our disabled and older residents with housing, which does fall into my skill set. Nothing in my life has been more gratifying or humbling that the Lord put me in this position so that I can do His will and help the less fortunate. Feeling not only the thanks and love from the person from the person you're helping but feeling the love of Christ for doing his will is better than any drug thank you to Juana Avina for introducing me to the Lord thank you to John Davis for setting a great example for what a Christian man should act like thanks to Pastor Rex for being my shepherd and friend guiding me on this new path and I thank my pursuit family for all the love and prayers for healing my body it took seven months but I can now walk without a cane God is great thank you Lord Jesus amen Aaron Powell I praise the Lord to baptize you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, Aaron is yet another example of, uh, I mean, truly, you know, I never get tired. We've seen hundreds of people come through here and do really well. And I never get tired of, of hearing somebody else's story. To me, it, it, it always just gets me excited about it. Um, our, our job is kind of like, I, I remember as a kid, um, you know, I, I'd listen to these missionaries come into a church and, and talk about what they were doing and, you know, around the world and whatever it was they were doing. And I just get so excited. I was ready to go wherever they wanted to go. And, uh, and here, here's Aaron, you know, I, we, I mean, we, we're doing local missionary work to people like the Aaron's of the world, and God is actively responding to that work and working through that work uh, to draw guys like Aaron who had kind of maybe meet, met their end in some way or another, you know, decided that they were just done and, and things life wasn't going the way they wanted it to. And he turns around and he just gives beauty for ashes, man. He comes around and, and just turns it all upside down and opens up their eyes to um, seeing not, not what they can do through their own limitations and their own um, dysfunctionality at times, but to really imagine what would their life look like if God was at work in it and through it? What kinds of things might he do with that kind of a, a life? And um, whether it's my testimony, your testimony, or anybody else's that's come through uh, a place like the mission, you just see 
Uh, it's, it's almost like God just says, oh, what, you don't think I can do something with that kind of life? Hold on a second, watch me go. Just hearing, just thinking about, you know, God doing these amazing works, in the end, it leaves you with nothing else to say. We don't, you know, Aaron won't be able to say, because I was so clever, because I was so smart, because I was on the whatever club it was, he was on the Brain Bowl Club or whatever it was he was, he was on, um, the, I was on the debate team. That's how I got to this successful place that I am in my life. It was none of that. It was, uh, he was, he was in the hands of an almighty God, and he said, how about you do with my life what you want to do with it? And by golly, um, God says, well, I'm, I've been waiting for you to ask me that for a long time. And here we are. And it's time for an upgrade. It's time for an upgrade. Let's go to 2.0. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. I love it. Um, you know, you and I are both 2.0s and, uh, and, and still 2.0ing. You know, I mean, God's still at work transitioning, transforming, and doing good work in our lives. Um, man, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's just good work. I am so grateful. Thanks for sharing that. And, oh, no problem. And thanks for, you know, thank you to Aaron for being so vulnerable with us in telling the story. Absolutely, and, yeah. He's been great. You know, John for uh, walking alongside of him and just the patience that is required in all of that and his you know, hard work. I mean, our coordinators are really uh, amazing people doing the heavy lifting of this organization. Um, and uh, boy, oh boy, uh, just just neat, neat things going on. Um, that was just great. I hope that everybody else enjoys it as much as I did. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission podcast. If you want to learn more about the mission, head over to grantspassmission.org. 